turn up the volume and free your mind because this is the Humans 2.0 podcast hosted by Mark Metry. What you feed your mind every day will shape your future. Listening to this podcast will strengthen your mind, thoughts, and beliefs. Leave behind the everyday mundane trivialities of your average human version 1.0 and meta-learn your way into becoming a human version 2.0 with a new upgraded guest in each episode. Enjoy. Who's ready for episode 25? Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Mark Matry, host of the Humans 2.0 podcast. Before we begin with episode 25, I just want to leave you guys with a quick reminder and say thank you so much for listening to this podcast or, or watching it on YouTube. It's been growing pretty fast and I would really appreciate if you left a review, you know, whether you're watching on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, it would really help a lot. Uh, helps more than you know and without further ado let's get right on into this you might know him as that crazy kid who ran an ultra marathon down the slopes of mount everest as a firm believer of pushing the boundaries of what the human body and mind is capable of tof evans is constantly reinventing himself to advocate how anyone can rise above and be the best versions of themselves the journey tof has been on these past few years have not only shaped his career but his endurance career literally saved his life. For those of you that are screaming to get out of that deadly, deep, dark rabbit hole known as adversity, you're in good hands. Here is someone who knows this field exceptionally well with his fair share of the destructive toxin. And you might not think you'll come out of this dismal state, but Toph will guide you in the right direction with his lived experience. Enjoy. How do you spend your time here on planet Earth? Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, for me, it's all about impact, literally. So it's ha- who can I impact, who can I empower, and how can I bring that human connection? And that's through my own journey of pushing the limits for other people, literally. Like there is, as oxymoronic as it sounds, it's there's a blessing in adversity, and that's where the greatness comes from when we're in the, the troughs of sorrow. And for me, it's I've realized when you hit rock bottom, you don't want to impede that on others. So you, you do what you can to help. Um, sometimes you want them to have a slice of adversity because, in my opinion, grit is the proponent to ment- uh, to resilience and resilience is the proponent to good mental health. And at the end of the day, there are so many people out there struggling. So how can I do it in such a way that I could better myself at the same time, but also help others that are struggling? So that's what I do with my time on earth. That's awesome. Where did this, or where did your, where did your mental health struggles first originate? Yeah, sure. I, I remember I was bullied in grade, grade eight and year nine. So like at the start of high school, yeah. after that, I was fine. So maybe there was a bit of pent up anger in there, uh, but mainly 2014. So I came across a bunch of setbacks with, with business, with, with work, with, finance with relationships um intimate with friendships with family um and there's a few other things and dude one thing led to another and another and it was like a domino effect in the wrong way and it just became too much for me i didn't know how to handle it and just one thing led to another and you're like you know what maybe i I used to be i used to be like like a regular kid on a weekend and just like a party but then i was doing it every day and then i was really abusing my body because i didn't know how to handle it all and i was also masking as a person i I, I just wasn't accepted i just couldn't accept who i was as a person losing all self-worth and i thought i would rather put on a mask and hide myself um for everything and then you, you kind of become a little bit of a dick at the same time you grow this weird ego and it's not healthy and everyone around you that has known you when you come across something like that, they look at you and they're like, you seem different, man. And it's like, wait, really? And then like, that just doesn't help with the anxiety. Cause I had not only that I was struggling with a bit of anxiety and depression. And it's like, when you care about it's like when you don't care about anything and you care about everything at the same time. So that's from there, that's, it just led into more things. And then there was times where, 
the I thought literally the only answer would be suicide, and that's 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 all I could ever think about for like eight months. And I'm thinking, you you start questioning your validity on life. You're like maybe this isn't, maybe I'm not worth it. And that's what depression is in particular. Depression is a state of worthlessness. And some people, when they for them to cope with it, they might eat or they will do the opposite and not eat. For me, all I would rather do, man, was just sleep because I'd rather be unconscious than awake. And fuck, I could sleep. Like, oh, sorry about the swearing. Um, it was, okay, cool. It was like, if there was a Category 5 hurricane just happening just outside of my house, I wouldn't even know because I would just be knocked out. Um, and so from there, I needed to do something quickly. So I, I did two things. I reached out and that probably helped because it helped get it off my chest. Mm, um, just started just started talking to people that were people I could really trust. It wasn't going to anyone and everyone. It was just like, who can I trust? And then it was a matter of figuring out why I wasn't happy. Um, the fact that I could actually figure out why I wasn't happy was insane because I was looking through life with clarity, like through a straw. So it's like almost impossible. But now I can see, see things through like a panoramic lens and everything's so vibrant mm. and it's hard when it's it's when you're going through a state like that it's it's so hard to explain man like you're looking through this dismal state is so black and dull and black and white it's everything's gray and it's hard to explain it's like as if i lost any color um i just i just didn't care about anything i lost who i was as a person and i stopped looking after my body and my health and so that that's where i got to um and then I decided to do something about it. <laughs> but yeah. That's awesome. Let me ask you something. This might sound like a weird question, but when you were no, when you were kind of in that state of, you know, being depressed and anxious, did you know yeah. you were depressed and anxious? At the time, no. Mm. Now that if I ever were to get back into it, I have the emotional intelligence to know what's going on. Mm. A much more higher emotional intelligence. Safe to say. But not at the time. It's 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 hard to tell because mental health is a. I didn't know what mental health was at the time. I thought it was just to turn people through around. Yeah. And I thought I was just, I was just accepting that I was just messed up in the head. I and the reason is because I didn't know if it was common. It actually is quite prevalent in the world because no one wants to talk about it. That's the thing, especially as guys, we we bottle up so much that all the testosterone takes the best of us, and um when guys don't want to talk about feelings because it's there's a stigma that it's kind of gay or whatever it's like i can't do that so it's like as if society's impeded on us or it could be the way certain parents has taught us or i'm not saying my parents did that to me no but even as guys and but i did going back to your question no absolutely not i didn't until i actually it's not until like strangers start saying you should see someone and you're like, you've never met this person and they're giving you direct feedback. And then after a few times, it's like, okay, maybe they're onto something. So I did. And yeah, the doctor's like, yeah, you're not in a good spot. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that's super interesting because, uh, you know, I always kind of think this because I actually, I, I kind of went through like the same thing maybe about a year, year and a half ago. And okay. I remember like when I was in that state and up to there, I just, I, I thought maybe this was normal. And like, I, I didn't have maybe a different framework to relate to. Maybe I was like that my entire life, but it was only after I kind of got out of it, then I could look back and be like, oh my God, that was completely different. Like something you said about the, you know, the, the eyesight, like I remember my eyesight, like literally shifting. Like I, I was with my friend one day, we came out, I kind of like started doing the whole healthy changes. That's kind of what catalyzed this thing. And I remember stepping outside yeah. and being like, holy crap, this is the world. Like it was just a completely different perspective and it's just stuck with me ever since. It's been awesome. Or when you, or even when you look in the mirror and you're like, what the hell's happened to you? Yeah. You, you don't that? recognize yourself like at the beginning, you know, in a good way. Yeah. Um, and even going through all the turmoil, you stop and you're like, what the fuck has happened? But you look at yourself and you try and reassess it. And it's almost like, that's it. That's it. I have to change. And I've got lots of friends that have gone through the similar. And then that's how they got out of it. Like that's, it wasn't until a time when it almost seemed like too late. I need to do something. Um, whether it's, it's as if like there's a, there's a quote by Warren Buffett and it says, 
The chains of habit are too light to be felt and too, they're too heavy to be broken. And the moment we just take on this habit, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. We don't realize until there's like some weird epiphany that comes in or we go to reassess and it's like, oh my God, I've wasted all this time. But it's why hindsight's a great tool because sometimes that can make you so hungry to get out that you just completely shift as a person. And that's why I think that's what's done for me. Um, when you realize um, when so Stephen Hawking in his book a brief history of time he tried to prove that we can go backwards in time and we, we can't go backwards in time he thought maybe wormholes like this book is so advanced it's insane well this is probably the smartest guy in history right now yeah. and he thought it was wormholes then he thought he was talking about Benjamin Button theories at one stage where we hit a certain age and then it's like symmetrical and then when we hit that point it we de-age so we go back to being a kid and that didn't really happen. So he, he found out that we can only go forward in time three different ways. So you've got psychologically, thermodynamically, and cosmologically. Ooh. All three of those are irreversible, meaning today's the youngest day you'll ever be, literally. And it's not to sound like a Zen Buddhist. Um, from now to, we don't actually know when we're going to die. So it's, it's this invariable distance. It's not until we realize that truly grasp that concept that I've got to get my ass into gear. And um, a good example of this, this isn't just to be morbid or anything. So my videographer, he went missing for two days. We had, they only found him yesterday. They found him in a hospital. And like, this is a dear friend of mine. I've known him since I was like 13. And I was getting a bit worried. I was like, where the hell could he be? And it's like that exactly what I was saying. We don't know when, what could happen. He could have died for all I know. And it's like, Jesus, we've got to get our ass into gear. And for me, it's like, I don't know what day it is half the time. So I know I'm in the right field. If someone wants to do business at 11 at night, let's do it. On a Saturday, let's do it. If someone wants to go for a climb or an adventure on a 3 a.m. on a Tuesday, let's do it. It's because well, I'm not restricted by it. Like, what? I don't know which law of physics that says you have to have dinner at 7 p.m. Like, <laughs> um, the law of physics is the one that time is irreversible. That's one of them. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, so Toph, uh, so let me talk to you a little bit about, you know, maybe physical health and how specifically your body's connection kind of relates to your mental health. Because uh, I'm not sure a lot of people know that. I, you know, I'm sure it's, uh, it's definitely scientifically proven. I didn't know it until I started exercising that there's a huge correlation with, you know, how productive I am, how happy I am. Could you, you know, talk a little bit about that in your experience? Of course, dude. Um, so with all the science, there is a lot of backing to say that when you exercise, because we're made to sweat, when you start sweating, you've got endorphins. First of all, you can sleep better. Um, we're made to move and it's a stress relief as well. But how I, how I look at it, I look at life, now this is a bit of a cliche, but I look at life like an ultramarathon. Now, I didn't say marathon, I said ultramarathon because I do the bigger distances and life is going to be more than 42K um everything is fine and like how i look at mental health into into real life is the adversity that is simulated in a run is almost direct correlation to life is life's adversity so everything's fine and the next thing you know you're in a this is in this isn't a race in particular everything's fine and next thing you know you're in a ditch metaphorically and mentally and your first thoughts are five minutes ago I was fine. And how the hell did I get in here? And this is like this conversation you're having with yourself and you're pushing through, you're pushing through and it's, you're relying on like almost sheer will sometimes. And you, you, you're doing everything and you've got tunnel vision. And I, there's been so many photos of me in races where I've just got this utmost focus face. <laughs> it doesn't look pleasant because I'm just pushing through and it's somehow we miraculously get out of it. And it's like, well, my God, I'm going through the second wind. And it's not until you finish the race. You're like, I'm so glad I did that. And it's like, because we actually have to fight for it. And it's when you see someone else come across that in a race, you're like, is there anything I can do to help you, man? Is there like, because we're empathetical with, I was literally just in those shoes. And that's what I was saying at the start. It's like when someone's come across rock bottom and for someone myself, is there anything I can do to help? Cause I don't want you to go through what I did. I want you to get you out. Let's prevent the, let's, let's, let's fix it now let's get to the root cause and you even see it at like the high level in the olympics man like in the marathon in particular and other races um when they stop at aid stations 
you'll see that especially the guys at the front of the pack the ethiopians and the Somalians and the, the kenyans they're grabbing water they'll only have a sip and they'll pass it to the guy next to them it's like that is awesome to see and they're competing for gold like these guys have been doing this for years and like i want the gold but i probably should give them a drink anyway and like for me it's endurance is taught just so much more than physical health because it will teach you how to push through like um will smith like one of my most probably my most favorite actor he has this awesome talk where he talks about the two things we should do in life and he's talking to these kids as well is reading and running and i won't go into the reading part but the running it teaches you to push through because you've got the little guy in your head saying this is too much for my lungs this is too much when you learn to push through and push through when you come across life's adversity you learn to push through and push through and you're good and it's and i think i've come across like this realization that in australia in particular and in the states and other parts of the world um in in the in the town like we have some of the highest rates of suicide in the world in in, in australia um, i think one in six or one in four men now i think it's i think it's one in six but in the mining one in four men every week it's insane because Whoa. they're the manliest of men that don't want to open up and in, on the gold coast the city i live in it is one of the most beautiful places i've ever known and i'm so grateful to have been raised here um we have everything and anything we have the best weather like all the gold coast because there's 300 sunny days of the year um there's we have as a as an endurance athlete we have anything we have the beach we have the hinterland we have just normal roads we have hills we have everything and good weather um and sometimes when you don't have to fight for something and you have everything at access and the moment adversity comes it's too much so that's what i was saying before grit is the proponent to resilience and resilience is the to um proponent for good mental health and i feel like through putting myself through adversity it's made me stronger mentally and i do all the crazy shit because it keeps me sane because that's I, I double down on that so whatever race is i'll sign up for the biggest one if it is storming like crazy or if it's if i've got a training run to do that day and it's blistering hot i'll go out if it's raining i'll go out if it's storming i'll go out if it's hailing i'll probably will still go out because there are going to be times i'm gonna have to run in the snow um if it's lightning storm um i might have to like sit in for like a few minutes and let the storm like let the lightning go away and if it's still storming i'll still go out but it's that. when you put yourself so for me i like to put myself through adversity whether it is through endurance or putting myself through a tough decision uh, like putting myself through the toughest thing i could do first thing or having a cold shower um shout out to Wim Hof. um <laughs> everything i could do um, first thing so that when I actually come across adversity, it's no big deal. And because I'm doing it through a physical element, that's going to naturally make me healthy and fitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. A couple of questions. Do you listen to music when you run? Not anymore, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been it's been two years since I've ran with music. And in the last two years, that's where I've done the craziest events in it from, from when I started. Because at first music is so dynamic it like there could be a song that could alter your mood and that would just change your tempo um headphones become a pain in the ass and then afterwards i'm always just skipping songs half the time and i just like uh, i don't want the song this song this song and it gets kind of annoying well as soon as i took it out it i became so much more aware of what i came around and i, I lose that connection around with other people because i thrive off social connection so when i'm running with other people in the community um because that's what humans are wired for through story and connection. And when someone tells me when, when I can have a, when I can meet a like-minded or a kindred spirit, yeah, that's never going to happen over the music. Um, so I used to run listening to podcasts and, and audiobooks, but it just came to a point where, you know, if I was in a road race, uh, that that's fine, but I, I kind of like just being aware. So any of the 24 hour runs, even the 32 hour ones I've done, I still won't have music on me. There will, there may be a time where I will just put music in in the lowest of lows and just put something to like get my rhythm back up, and then I'll just probably put it away. But there have been times when I've had to do that, but I don't rely on music. I don't want to depend on that. Yeah, I've I've heard that a lot actually. That's why I asked. Um, do you meditate by chance? Every day. Every Absolutely. day. Um, yeah, do you, I use. Do you do mindfulness or, or what do you do? Yeah, there's so many types of medita- med- say medication, meditation in this world. I remember when I was there, I read this amazing book called The Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. He's an NYU professor. 
And he was talking about meditation. I said, I should just give this a try. So I started training with a Buddhist monk, crazy stuff, man, here in Australia. Like this, this is an Australian that has been practicing Buddhism for so long. She has the shave head and everything. And I was so blown away. And every kind of meditation is a bit different. But what I found a lot of the common trend was just being a present hedonist. So just being so self-aware that your reticular activity system, um, I know what's going on so that nothing's in autonomy. So if I'm, have you ever come to, you ever come to work and you're like, I don't even remember driving here. Have you ever mm -hmm. done that? that's yeah. autonomy dude and it's because we've done it so many times that we could do it with our eyes closed so if i need to drive somewhere i'll try and take a different route every time so mm. when i get to the end of my day it's like i, I kind of knew what was going on and a lot of it comes down to breathing a lot of it comes down to there's a practice called tapping and a lot of it is just being aware like the fact that i can see a top going in and i can see the screen save and just i'm just so aware of what's going on it helps with your thinking because you're activating more senses and just living in the now. Sometimes we're so fixated on the past that we need to be fixated on the path um, because we, we're too busy thinking about the stuff we could have done. And when we realize we can't go backwards in time, it's, it's kind of pointless. And just be in the now because it will make you so much more grateful that you experience those moments. Sometimes we get to the end of the day and say, fuck, I wish I would do a little bit more today. <laughs> yeah, meditation is definitely a game changer. Do you ever combine meditation while you're running? All the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a weird practice. And because sometimes you zone out, I feel like running in general, trail running in particular, there's that state of flow. It's that time when time can just fly by and you don't know what's going on. You could be out there for three hours for, you know, and because all I'm thinking about is where my feet are going because I don't want to roll my ankle. And um, all I'm doing is living in flow. Like I don't care anything else that's on my mind. Like this morning I was in the trails and just chatting with a friend and I'm, we're chatting while we're running, but um, that, that may have been on a flat. That's not like on a crazy downhill, but all I care about is where my feet are being placed. And that's like where I can get some really awesome flow. I could be out there for, for hours. There's been times where I've been out for like six hours and that felt like an hour. Um, and it's, it's almost like a meditative practice focusing on one thing. And it's, it's hard to do like when you're just sitting around and you're just having one thought in your mind and you're just trying to think about, it, we get distracted so easily um, and trying to get back to that. So I feel like being, doing something where you it's like downhill mountain bike riding. I've never, never really done it, but you have to be so focused or else once one, one wrong move and you could really hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah I see. So Tof, we've we've talked about you know running and, and mindfulness in terms of you know trying to you know conquer the anxiety the adversity in your mind. What are what are some other ways that people can you know start to master their mind? Yeah, sure. So there's two ways that come to mind. Um, specific mind hacks I use all the time, like ways to. I guess, use your mind in certain, using that perspective and using, using our, this whole artillery that we have, that this untapped area that people don't even realize. For example, now this is going to be so counterintuitive to those whoever reads this, uh, listens to this. So there's a power in negative thinking, believe it or not. Now using, there's surely there's, that maybe someone hasn't gone through depression or anxiety or PTSD or whatever the issue may be. But maybe they've come across like a death in the family. Maybe they've come across a time when they were so sad because their partner left them. Maybe there was a time um, they were part of a, like a pretty crazy car accident or something that was quite traumatizing. And I always go back, whether it's a hundred miler, I have a 214 miler in Scotland coming up this year and training my mind for that in particular. It's like, I'm pretty sure all the depression I went through and the anxiety I went through years ago was going to be tougher like I had eight months of that shit to deal with is going to be tougher than 70 hours of running. Right. And it's like that, it's like a paradigm shift in itself in itself. So it's always going, I'm pretty sure. And it don't delve too deep in the mistakes. That's going to kill you intrinsically. Um, there's things like that and always thinking I've got more and doing it on purpose. So if I'm running three mile or four mile, I will purposely add an extra mile on just to mess with my mind. And what happens is you keep that, you build that as a habit. Like if I'm reading for 15 hours, read for 16. If I'm, um, if I'm writing, 
100 words, just do 120, whatever it may be. Just add in like an extra few percent, 10 percent if you want. And what that will do is when you build as a habit, when you come across a challenge, you're used to doing extra, you're used to doing a little bit more tough stuff. Um, and now it's like it's no big deal. So things like that, things like putting yourself through adversity first thing. So have that cold shower. Um, sign join a running group i don't know do something that's that's out of the norm even if it's i i just learned to say yes to everything and that's i started priming my brain and made making fear my best friend so i remember when i was in the himalayas i had the opportunity to um run mount everest which was crazy now that i think about it but i got to do some climbing as well and there were these ladder crossings over crevasses they're like crevasses are like are these massive cracks or caused by avalanches and if you fall in, you're kind of screwed. Um, where we had to cross these ladder crossings, it's like almost life death situation. And my first thought is, I've got this. I've so got this because I've been through worse. And it's like you're priming the brain that in a situation where it's fear versus trust, you trust it because fear is on your side because you're used to putting yourself in fearful situations. So stuff like that. And another way too is this concept I have practical resilience. And it's the framework to get you out of crisis or hopefully get you, stop you from committing suicide. Um, as well as that, it's also to cultivate the superhuman out of people because people perceive me. And this isn't like talking about my, like boasting or anything. It's like, I get called the word crazy or I get called a superhuman so many times more than my actual name. And it's like, you guys don't realize. First of all, I was never a runner to begin with. I never did sport. I was actually the guy that always got picked last in any ball sport. I don't do ball sports because I suck at hand-eye coordination. I was always the guy that always got picked last for any sport. And that's, so for me to be on the other side now, it's like, this is crazy. But all it is, is obsession and curiosity. That's it. I, I, I started so small, so I built it, instilled it as a habit. And now I'm insatiably curious. So it's like a crescendo. You're never going to knock the last domino off with the first one because it's actually because of the law of physics, it's impossible. You need at least half the leverage, but you can knock it over over time. So it magnifies and it's just building a habit. And it's like, it's just one upping your own self. It's not comparing yourself to anyone else. It's competing. It's you versus you or me versus me. Yeah. Um, and using this, this concept of practical resilience, it's understanding that it's like a three piece diagram. I can send you the photo. Um, it's a, it's, it's, it's quite simple actually. Um, when you look at it, you're like, okay. But when you truly understand it, it's like, okay, I got this now. And when we realize, first of all, it's, it's adversity. So it's, it's like picture a Venn diagram with three circles. The first pillar is adversity. And it's knowing that sometimes we think we have it worse than anyone else. It's been so many times where I do that. Um, and it's not until we realize that everyone goes through stress, literally everyone, whether you're a five-year-old that's going, that had like may have lost both their parents. It could be anything from, um, you know, in high school, like, oh, cause I was an academic subject, a academic student, final exams was stressful. Whether you're building your podcast, that could be stressful. Absolutely. People were like, you're doing so well, but you don't realize how much editing and all the stuff in the inside that you go about. Some of us, this iceberg effects. I think that that one really pisses me off when people don't realize how much work goes into certain things. It could, you could be, a CEO of a massive thriving business. It's all stressful. It's all, we all go through it. And it's not until we realize the greats in particular have also gone through trajectory of pain. So that's kind of reassuring. It's like, maybe this is meant to be. And I always, for me, the people I look up to in particular, they've gone through hell. They've really gone through hell. And I was like, okay, I, it, it, it's almost like a proponent for really good progress. And that's what we grow out of. We learn it's okay to not be okay at certain points. And this is where we use that as baseline. And what happens from there? The next part of the Venn diagram. So it's mindset. Now this, these are such words that seem like they're just thrown out. No, but this is the actual concept. I've collaborated with psychologists and human behaviorists and people understand the brain and neurology and neural pathways. So it's like, can you guys check this? And like, no, it absolutely works. And when you're in the right mindset, you, you learn about discipline and you learn about now I'm talking, not talking any specifically military discipline in whatever you want to achieve, you will do anything. If you truly want something, you'll make it happen. So sometimes you have to sacrifice a few things 
because you're on a you're on a massive mission to whatever you want to achieve and i've learned that this is when you start rewiring your pathways so that fear is your best friend and you start rewiring them that you can only the mind can only handle so much so in the habits we take some habits got to give and they're they're bad ones and this is when we learn okay this is when we hire like we have strategists on our team and coaches and they said for you to get here to here you need to cut this part out but you need to bring this in okay so you start you start very small like i said before you start very small to the point where you become then it's a habit now and then you become insatiably curious and you get better and better at it then out of nowhere someone goes hey mark I need to ask you about this. And you're like, why? Because you're really good at it. You're like, wait, really? And then, yeah, and then start seeking it. And then that's the sense of worth now. Mm. And that now your depression is starting to drop down because you're getting seeked for, for value. And you're like, maybe this is a life worth living if I can serve other people. You get to this point and you, really, you, you reflect back, well, there's going to be a time where it's just going to hit you and be like, I'm actually grateful to go through all that shit years ago or whenever it was because I can make an impact on others or whatever is something that's really, truly intrinsically motivated for yourself. And it will teach you about perspective because when you practice enough gratitude, it will change your definition of reality. And for me, it, it literally saved me because you don't know whose life you save. It might even be your own. And you go through this point where, um, like one of my dear friends, he, he's missing two arms. He lost his arms five years ago. He's in his fifties. He lost his arms from a high voltage incident. Um, Gary is like the man, he's like one of my heroes. He has gone through hell and back, but I've never seen him angry. I've never seen him not complaining. And so I can learn a lot from this guy. And I have, he's like secretly a mentor without even realizing. And it would make you realize that maybe my life isn't that bad. And every morning I will either write or say out loud what I'm grateful for. Um, because that will re that will keep you grounded. That will. And then here's the crazy part. You want to go back through adversity again mm. so you can go through the cycle and even if you simulate it where you for me like i put out a video the other day where i was training and it was getting really dark i'm like you know what? i'm gonna be stuck out here because there's been times when i was in everest and we were told we can either keep going or you can stop and i thought how much more badass would this be if we just kept going and we did and it was like when we finished this race it's like oh my god i'm glad we did that because we were gonna get penalized it's gonna lose all momentum we're going to court, we're going to like the whole um, agenda is going to be pushed back another day. And it's like, no, let's just keep going into the night. I'm out of food. My headlight is completely out and this altitude is killing me literally. <laughs> um, I think I might be going through high altitude pulmonary edema. That's when liquid leaks into the lungs. Getting hard to breathe at this point. Plus is sometimes you got to wake up and smell the roses, but when you're out there, all the roses smell like yak shit. So yeah. <laughs> um, beautiful scenery though, but it's like, I can't breathe. There's so much dust. But that is my long articulated contextual answer to your question. Wow, that's a lot. So mind hacks and, and practical resilience. So I'll have to send you the link. Um, oh, no, the, the, the image. And what, what I'll actually be doing next, um, next Wednesday, East Australian Eastern Standard Time, is I'm going to launch the campaign of practical resilience. And what it will allow to do is allow others to be vulnerable. It's going to, when people have gone through the event because i've realized that people don't care like on social media i'm talking about people don't care about your problems people won't care about how you went about your problems mm. and if you could talk if people can talk about like not one story is unique everyone has a unique story that's what i've found there's no point comparing stories to compare because we completely live in completely different lives we have a completely different end goal we look completely different we were raised in different times there's no point comparing it's okay to emulate other people that's where like that saying you are the average of the top five people you hang around the most. That's because you're emulating the good traits, but you become your own person. So there's no point comparing. Um, so I'm going to start this campaign and I've got a lot of people keen. It's when people talk about the adversity, like there's only three things, the adversity they went through, the mindset it got them through and how grateful they are to go through that. And what it will do, allow, it'll be, allow people to be vulnerable and especially men. When you can hear other guys going through shit, it's like, I don't feel alone now because mm. now it reduces that stigma that it's whole like apparently it's you're a pussy if you, you talk about feelings. No, it's going to reduce the volcano from erupting. That's what it's going to do. And it's going to allow other men to not feel alone. Sure, there's going to be some guys out there, but in the law of big numbers, there's always going to be those guys. Um, and it's going to allow 
it's going to be a lot of humility and gratitude. I think that's going to be a lot more, it's going to be a better place to live when there's vulnerability, humility, and gratitude. Now that seems very counterintuitive, but it overrides all the negative shit going on. And it's like, yeah, there's wars guys, but think about it compared to a hundred years ago, there's a lot less wars um, and it's reducing and it's reducing. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautifully well said. Uh, a lot of gems of wisdom. And I think gratitude is a huge, huge component because it's like if you, if like, you know, I'm sitting here in Boston and, you know, let's say X, Y, and Z is happening in my life that, you know, are objectively suck. But, you know, I could have, you know, easily been born, you know, a hundred years ago. We could have been like in the woods. My mom probably would have like died from some disease. I wouldn't have a sister, you know. You know, there'd be like these tribes at war. It's like almost infinitely better now. And it's, and like to even ask yourself the question of like, why isn't this awesome? It kind of goes, it's like, why do you even have that expectation in the first place? You know, like who told who told you that that reality is going to be like, you know, like what contract did you sign to get here that says it's all going to be, you know, wishes? Um, you can't really expect oh. anything. Every time in 100%. I think, um, it's okay to have dreams, but you've got to really work for them at the end of the day. And when plan A doesn't work, you've got a whole alphabet. And sometimes we don't have enough resources to get to plan X, but you do everything in your shield and you, you make it happen. Mm. Sometimes you have to sacrifice. Sometimes you have to do whatever you need to do to make it happen. And I think, and that's why I always came back to your podcast. It's like, there will be people that said, man, you're doing so well with your podcast. And then they're like, and you're like, yeah, but you know, I was up to like two in the morning doing the shit too, mm-hmm. by the way. And, uh, and there's a lot of work that goes involved. Um, and you, when you mention about, we, we live in a, it's crazy that we live in a world of opportunity. We can do anything and everything. Like if Felix Baumgartner can jump out of the stratosphere in 2012 and survive that, I can do anything, right? And he's also a human being. And you said something else that actually um, thought provoked me. Um, expectation. It'll, it'll come back here okay oh no it, it will come back it'll come back okay. cool cool all right uh i'm gonna be a little bit selfish here i want to ask you sir for like some advice you know i'm sure a lot of people are kind of going through this um so last year i started a business and now it's kind of really picking up i have five employees now you know i'm talking to clients all day i'm traveling it's it's a big very big change and i kind of went from somewhere where i didn't really have any of that responsibility to now i do yeah. and I, I love it it's great but at times it can be very overwhelming and I'm sure I'm going to get used to it, but you know, what are some, what's some advice you could give to somebody like me that might be in a high stress or is maybe doing it for the first time in their life? Yeah, true. So I always make sure one thing is amidst the chaos, I always remember my reason why. Mm. Um, Sometimes we, we lose track of our values and that and, sometimes we got to remember the reason why we did it in the first place and that's going to recalibrate our mind. So very good example. When I was in Everest for this ultra marathon, um, there was an ultra marathon, a marathon and a half marathon. One of the marathoners, cause how it worked was our team decided to summit a mountain as well. So a team of six and get to start line, which was very strategic because we were going higher and the race started from Everest base camp we were declimatizing. So we're actually getting more oxygen in us. So that was actually kind of smart now that I look at it. Um, but then there's four other teams of 20, which have been highly um, stressful to manage. And then you've got everyone else that would just want to meet at the start line. There is two weeks to get to the start line. So there's a lot of time and anything can happen in those two weeks. And the biggest one that happened was this one girl, we saw her the day before. This was like four days before the race had even started. We saw her on the track. She looked like a zombie. And I put a video about this up yesterday. And I saw her later that night. We all did. And we're like, she looks terrible. And usually when you're going through high altitude strain, you want to go down a town because you're getting more oxygen and stay there for a day and then go up. And it's like, it's, it's crazy. Because that's how they do summits. They, with the camp, you've got four camps and then the full summit. So you go camp one to camp two. You may go back to base camp, then you may go from base to two, back to one, to three, to two, to, and it was so on and so forth, just so you can acclimatize. And this chick, she she died in her room the next day because of high altitude sickness. So everyone is 
everyone from the doctors are freaking out and I'm going, holy shit. So whole dynamic has changed. And it's like, it's a matter of being with the team at breakfast and because we could hear everything that was going on with these paper thin walls. And it's like, guys, we all came here for certain reasons, right? I came here for charity. One of you are sponsored. Everyone else is here for personal. Like, remember the reason why you're here and miss the chaos. Now we're meeting up with the other groups and everything, everything spreads like wildfire. Um, and people let that get to their heads and they're becoming the bitch of their own brains going, I can't do this anymore. Like they don't even know this person. So they're letting the, those factors dictate the reality. And now I bet you they, they would downgrade to a race. So they have to start at a lower point or they pull out in general and they catch a helicopter back to the very start in the, like in the capital of Kathmandu or wherever it is, because they let it get to them. And I bet you they would regret pulling out of a race like that because it's not cheap so even through the high stressful times man just be remember that you can get lonely in this stuff but make sure you really appreciate the people around you whether it's your team the people that support you we get so highly immersed in the emotion that it's sometimes we take it a little bit too seriously so that's something i make sure to do and it's it's hiring the coaches and the strategists like sometimes they can be pricey but they've it's, it's a matter of having people that have done it before so they can guide you. We can do anything, but we can't do everything. And if we can cut that learning curve by like 10 years, because someone else's knowledge is now wisdom for you to go, because it's okay to make mistakes, but they don't have to be yours. That's the crazy part. There's no law of physics that says that. So as humans, we're these crazy simulation creatures that goes off story and is like, okay, I can try and do that. And it might not work every time. Like I'm not saying mistakes like mistakes are inevitable sometimes we can but we can sometimes ease the mistakes and it's like we did that but at the end of the day we need to fail and just fail quick and do that so one thing i was going to say man is just make sure you always remember your reason why even if you have it written down like this is why i wanted to do this um whether it was for freedom whether it was for formal empowerment whether it was just building a kick-ass brand whatever it is um so that that's probably my biggest advice i can give you thank you thanks very much i appreciate it uh, what can you tell somebody right now that's going through a really bad moment in their life and yep. they're just like, they don't even know how they're going to make it to tomorrow. Yeah, cool. I can, I've got something for them. So I have this, this saying that I, I say all the time and it doesn't matter how many setbacks you have in life. It's your comeback that will still will make your story stand the test of time. So if you think in sport, any team that's down by like 40 points, or if you think of the recent Super Bowl, bro, the Patriots versus Hawks, <laughs> everyone only will remember that Super Bowl. Well, there's going to be other ones, but the first one that comes to mind is that one because it was the greatest comeback in history. Yeah. So at the end of the day, make yourself the comeback story. That's all I have to say. For me, I didn't think it was going to come out alive, literally. And now I'm going on to bigger and better things. and I've completely transformed my life not comparing myself to anyone. And it's just like, how far can I push myself and push myself, push myself. And it's like, make this a comeback. So when people thought, so you defy the odds every time. And if you think about it, like Mandela, Mandela is a great example. The guy was in prison for 27 years yeah. and he's, he's doing push-ups in his room and his cell and his cell, sorry. And he's like, I'm going to be the first black president of South Africa. I'm going to be the first black president of South Africa. And everyone's like, this guy is crazy. I can't even be near him. And what's he doing? He becomes the first black president in South Africa because he got himself in the right mindset after going through that adversity. He's a very good case study. And he would have died such a great, with such grace, the fact that it made him the person who he is. And he died as one of the most iconic people in history. Like his comeback is insane. And everyone from like Conor McGregor to Phelps, Phelps has a crazy one. Like even though he was known as a, a gold medalist winner for every fucking Olympics he was in, after his fourth one, he went through such heavy depression. He didn't think it was going to come out alive because he was just, sometimes Olympians go, oh my God, what am I going to do after? All I do is train. Um, or he was, I think he was a lot of pent up um, adversity, but it made his, for him to come overcome that and to come back and win another four. And he's like, I finished my career so much because I went through that. So I feel like for anyone that's listening, use your setbacks as setups and so you have an awesome comeback and it's not going to be, it may be a bit rusty at first, but you will make it happen. Trust me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, something you kind of touched on this, but something that I like doing is, you know, using hindsight. Like I like thinking to myself, oh yeah, you know, five years from now, you're going to be, 
you know, sitting with your friends laughing about this moment. And you just, you got to think of yourself in the big picture, you know, whether you're stressed out because like you're not achieving enough or, or like, you know, your life isn't going the direction you want it to. You just got to take a step back, look at the big picture. You got to realize that, you know, out of like the 100% progress bar, you're only at like 10, 15%, you know? So it's, you still got a, a really long way to go. So, Tove, I want to thank you a lot for coming on the podcast. I just have one final question for you. This is something that effort. What's up? I, I, this is just something that I've been, you know, kind of wrestling. So, we live in an, an age today, like we said, where we have technology and it's helping the world in a lot of ways. It's making it safer. But, you know, at the same time, every year, I believe 800,000 people kill themselves. And I, I believe it's rising. And, you know, we're kind of seeing this dynamic where our old primal brains aren't necessarily, you know, adapting to the current day modern technology. So, you know, and that looks like people not using social media correctly, um, you know, people watching just TV all day. What do you think are, you know, like some do's and don'ts with technology so that you can get the most out of it, you know, whether it's like for your business, for your brand, but also so that it doesn't, you know, take away from your life? Yeah, no, that's, that's an awesome question, dude. So what I use social media for is for like how we connected. So I use it as a tool to meet people online, to connect offline. Um, a lot of people, it comes down to self-perception and people will say, you'll have one part of the world that says social media is the worst thing to ever endure. And it's because they're just watching cat videos or whatever the thing is. And they just, they're not using it in the, in the right sense. And, but the other half is like, no, this is the greatest thing because I can get when they say there's the six degrees of separation, it's like two now, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, you can leverage your network to help others because if you don't know anyone, if I only have three people in my group, that's only three people I can advocate and they can advocate for me. If I have, if I'm constantly making connections then, and it's constantly giving as well. It's like, whenever I meet someone, it's like, how can I help you? Is there anything I can, is there any areas where you're struggling in? If, if I can't help you, I can get you onto the right person. And it's, I feel if it's like, you are what you consume. So you are the food you eat, the media you, you consume and the people you hang around with. And there's a few other things. But if you're just going to be consuming the news when there's, it's just all negative because bad news sells, because it's just how our brains are wired. We, we succumb to, to anything fear-based because we're built to retaliate. But on the other side, there are people that just don't want to retaliate and they just want to kill themselves. And I feel they're bottling up so much that they need to, it's, it's okay to reach out. Um, even if you want to reach out to me, I'm going to last person, to, whoever's hearing this more than happy to reach out to me because I'm the last person to disparage you. Um, because I know what it feels like to hit rock bottom just to, just to reduce that volcano from overflowing because it affects everyone around you. But I feel in regards to social media, it's like, there are times when there's like a, was it an antithesis, a synthesis, oh, and a thesis and antithesis. I mean, you've got to find the, the, the sweet spot and it's mad about using for the right thing. So for me, it's, it's a cool leverage tool and it's who can I impact? It's like the only stuff I put out nowadays, like years ago, I was just putting out memes, which is pointless. But if I put out something, um, people can reach out and it's like, I don't feel alone because you put this out and I've got to make sure it's raw sometimes Instagram, it's like, are you guys like that in real life? It's very positive stuff. I love it. But I feel it's like the more raw it is, then the more people can relate to it. And so when you, when you meet in real life, it's like, oh, okay, he's, he's real. And uh, I don't have like 40 filters on my face or whatever it is. Um, so I feel that that's how I think. Now, now I'm no expert on this field, but this is how it's worked for me like the fact that we've connected man and i'm on the other side of the world is it, crazy it, i think that's like the fact that we can make this happen um otherwise i would have to we would have to write, write each other letters <laughs> and it, it's whatever the um gary vaynerchuk talks about this all the time it's like the intent what you're using it for it doesn't matter what medium or platform you're using it's like he always said that um he shot some dude up and or maybe it was a lady i can't remember who it was but it's like whether you're writing 
I love you to your grandma by note, or you're writing, I love you through Twitter. It doesn't actually matter. The intent is still there. One's just going to take longer and one may have been handwritten. Yes, the handwritten means it's in authenticity, but the thought is still there. Yeah. And for me, it's like, how, how can I use it to leverage the stuff I'm doing to make more of an impact? And I think it comes back to your reason why. You've got to know the end goal first. You've got to know where the, the, the GPS destination is before you can start driving or actually working out for the sake of working out as opposed to training for something. Mm. But yeah. I see. Yeah, and like what's what's even crazier about that social media, like just to take it a step further, we record this now, you know, let's say two years from now, somebody listens to this, has a thought uh, in their mind of something you said, they go tell their friend and then one of their friends tells their friend and then the friend that he told it to is actually going something through something right now. And that line, you know, made him Google you. He finds out, you know, more about you. That not only helps the guy out for getting, you know, maybe, you know, somebody else to help him out, but it also helps you out. So I think that that kind of scalability is absolutely unreal. Uh, Tof, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Where, where can people go to check out, you know, what you're working on right now? Yeah, sure, man. So um, I'm all over social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Um, it's usually tofe dot Evans. Um, LinkedIn, tof Evans. That's probably where you're going to get the most of my engagement through LinkedIn, because I feel like it's the most human of all the social medias right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also on YouTube and my site. So my site is where I blog a lot. Um, it's usually anything philosophical or anything I've learned through endurance that can be applied to real life or it's just things that how I overcame mental health. Um, and out of all, I'll tell you something, man, like out of all, out of all the races I've done, any accolades I've gotten, my most proudest moment is any, isn't any of those. It's being able to conquer my mind. Literally the fact that I can put my mind to do anything I want to do and do it. Sometimes it's not going to be what I expected, but it's like, the next time I'll do it, I will. And that, that that's, oh, so not to digress, but usually I talk about that stuff on my site. And yeah, so tof-evans.com. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you everybody for listening. This has been your host, Mark Metry with Tof Evans. Tof, thank you again for, for the last time for coming on this podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Bro, thank you. I really appreciate that. Awesome, awesome. All right, everyone have a good one. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Humans 2.0 podcast. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and you chose to listen to this. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about Humans 2.0 so they can improve as well. If you loved listening to that, I would love your feedback whether you're watching this on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and anything else. Keep learning on the Humans 2.0 podcast.